welcome home to Voice of Praise again this Sunday. Man, don't the weeks just fly by? Do your weeks, do your, does your weeks fly by? Our, hours, hours do. I think, uh, uh, I was thinking this past week was only two days long sometime, maybe a day and a half. Time is flying by. It's good to see you here. And uh, if you're here for the very first time in worship service or if it's been a long time since you've been here, please fill out a Connect card. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better. We're not going to uh, be mailing you a bunch of stuff. We're not going to harass you. Uh, we are not going to uh, call you and tell you your extended car warranty has expired. But we would like to get to know you just a little bit better. And we got a special gift for you. If you'll just fill out that Connect card today. Well, I trust that everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. All the leftovers are through and done and over with. Uh, ours are not. We've got another day or two uh, of leftovers. And, uh, you know, he's not here this morning, but uh, we give honor where honor is due. Uh, Carrie Hellman Dollar has taught me so much about le- eating leftovers uh, and, uh, you know, so we didn't throw any food out. We've got it all still in the refrigerator. If Carrie, if you are watching, uh, from, uh, off your journeys this morning, uh, thank you, my friend. You're really helping us out, you know, but, uh, but I do trust you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Now we're in that Christmas season. I appreciate those that came out last night and they, and, and they helped decorate and we had the cheese ball contest. Where did Pam Browning go? She's already out with the kids, isn't she? And uh, she had she had said, and I'm not going to show it to you. We're going to get her to come back in, Scott. We'll get her to come back in before the end for the official presentation. Uh, I did not win the cheese ball competition last year. Last year, I will tell you this: last year, I finished last place. This year, I did much, much better. It was a three-way tie for last place. And I was one of the three. So I did so much better. So much better. So much better. We had lots of fun. Thanks for all that helped out. Well, as the praise team finished up and led us into worship with this way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. I didn't ask Pam to, to pick that song this morning, but I feel like that the Holy Ghost was in it. And, and it was very appropriate for what I want to preach to you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I just want you to open them up. We're going to go to several different verses of Scripture. I'm not going to read a text per se, but we're going to start in Proverbs as we go into the Scripture. Proverbs chapter chapter 6. I want to preach to you this morning four things that God doesn't know. Four things that God doesn't know. Now, there's a word that, uh, there's three words that I like when it comes to my my relationship with God, and there's... There's, those three words are very important to me as a believer when I begin to think about God and the person of God. And you've heard me repeat them so many times and I usually count, count them off on my fingers. And it's, it's omnipresence, the omnipresence of God. And it's the, uh, it's omnipotent God. And it, but also there's another word that I frequently use and it's the omniscience of God or His state of being omniscient. That word omniscient in itself means having infant awareness, understanding, and insight. In other words, that God sees all, He knows all. There's nothing that He doesn't know. 
Nothing has escaped him. Nothing has slipped by him. There, there is nothing that God can be educated in. But yet there's four things that God doesn't know. Wow. Do I have you confused yet? I hope not. The Bible says confusion is of the devil. It is a little bit of play on words. I have to admit that. And 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 but this morning I, I want to grab your attention, and I hope I already have, because the omniscient God, the God that knows everything, the God that that nothing 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 exists that He is not aware of, the God that's also omnipresent, He's everywhere, the God that is omnipotent, is He all He's all powerful. There are four things that God doesn't know. He knows so much. He says. He knows the number of hairs that are upon our head. Now, for me, that's not too hard. AK's running a close second there. You know, we, we, we make God's job easy. For some of you that have real thick hair, for John down here, you know, I don't know if he, if he, if he has to go through the length of the matter to count it, but, but if he does, John's, John's putting God to a big task. Not, not really. I'm just being jestful right now. But understand, God knows so much about us. He knows everything. But yet there's four things that God doesn't know. Four things God doesn't know. I want to share those four things with you this morning. And I hope you follow along. Because I think that in all four of these things, it spoke to me. I saw me in these four things. Uh, either past, present, or future. The first thing that we see that uh, that God doesn't know is, one, He doesn't know a sin that He doesn't hate. God doesn't know a sin that he doesn't hate. I want to show you this scripture found in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. The the Proverbs, in the words of Solomon, he said, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Now within the means of these things that have been named, these six things that have been named uh, here, we, what we find is is it covers, if you would, in, in a generality, so to speak, it covers all of the things that we consider sinful. You know, uh, at Thanksgiving Day at our house, my wife asked her aging dad, he's 89 years old, well, he's 89 and a half now, I guess, he'll... He'll be 90 years old, Lord willing, this summer. And he's in reasonably good health. But we know when you begin to get 90 years old, you know, things things change. And, and you consider that the days you, uh, common sense tells us, become less. And she asked her dad to lead uh, in, in prayer, saying grace over our Thanksgiving meal. And as he began to pray and, and ask the Lord for different things, he, he asked the Lord for wisdom. You know, Solomon had that opportunity and he had asked the Lord for wisdom and he was very wise. And and, and out of Solomon's wisdom, he's uttering these things, these things that we could put in that that encompass, if you would, ever sin that is known to us. And in that, we begin to think about there's a sin that God does not hate. You see, sin is stench, if you would, in the nostrils of God. He He doesn't like sin. He never intended for us to sin, but yet... Uh, our forefather Adam and and his mate Eve, his wife, has was given to him by God. We know that story. They sinned. They only had one commandment. Going back to my father-in-law, he 
He said, Lord, help me to keep all of your commandments, all ten of them. And I, I respect that prayer very much. But, but understand with me this morning that we're not able to keep the commandments, you and I. If we could keep the commandments, we wouldn't need, in fact, if we could keep the first two commandments, we wouldn't even need the other eight. It, you know, it, it's, we, we, it's not within our abilities. We don't have that power because we are fallen humanity. We are clay. We are, we are flesh, if you would, and, and, and we cannot keep them. And I want you to know this, there is not a sin that God does not hate. He detests sin. He despises sin. Sin, it's not us that, it's not any of us in ourselves that, that God doesn't want in heaven. But understand this, that sin can't enter into heaven as we know it as, the presence of God. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak to that as we go further into this message this morning. But I want you to know God doesn't hate sin. Now, does He love us in our sin? Yes, He does. And I want to touch on that as well. But God hates sin. He, there's not, there's not a sin. He doesn't know a sin that He does not hate. He, there, there's no sin that God can look at and say, well, I like that. Although the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, that, that, that is you and that is myself. We find ourselves taking pleasure in sin, even though sin some, can sometimes and oftentimes, most every time, cost us more than, than we were really willing to pay when we began. And as we think about a sin, There's not a sin that God doesn't hate. The second thing I want to share with you is, He doesn't know a sinner that He does not love. Now, we've been uh, talking about this on Wednesday nights, uh, leading up to Christmas holiday or Thanksgiving holidays. I'm not, in some sense, sense, I realize, yes, I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. Some people say I am a sinner saved by grace. And I'm not, I'm not going to debate that this morning. But here's the reality. That, that yes, we are fleshly. Yes, we are fleshly. We are earthly. We are, we are people of, of the dirt, if you would. We are people of clay. And, and, and we are sinful in our nature. But we have a great hope because there's a sinner There's not a sinner. God doesn't know a sinner that he doesn't love. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul wrote to that church at Rome. He said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, past tense, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sinners, the sin of unbelief, if you would. While we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen to me. People, people say, well, I, I heard a song the other day and we, funny, we were talking about songs in, in the life group that Sarah and I sat in this morning and, and we're talking about how sometimes songs are, even Christian songs sometimes are theologically correct in their content. And, and, and I was listening to a song and that, that song went into about that, that it said something along the lines that, that, you know, I, I'm trying to make God love me. It goes in, I, I'm doing it, I'm doing everything I can to make God love me, but I'm not sure that even with that, that he still does. Let me tell you something. You cannot make God love you. You cannot make him love you. 
I'll I'll go a bit further with this. And you've heard me say this a lot over the last several weeks. You can't make Him love you any more than He already does love you. You may be sitting in this room. You may be watching this morning. And you may not be a believer. You may have not given your life over to Jesus Christ. But you cannot make God love you any more than than He already does. Being, Being saved or being... A quote unquote good Christian doing a lot of good works, doing a lot of great things does not make God love you any more than he already loves you. You see, because the love that he has for us is a perfect love. It's a love that was shown through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he was born of a virgin birth. And we're getting ready to celebrate that. We are celebrating that season right now. And as God gave his one and his only one and only begotten son, that you and I should inherit eternal life. It was all out of his love for us, even though we're a broken, fragmented People of the dirt, if you would, from dirt we came to dirt we will return. And But God loved us anyway. He loves us in spite of the failure of Adam. He loves us in despite that we're fallen humanity and we're all failures in this sense that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in, then in 1 John, the beloved said, this is how God showed us his love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. That we might live through Him. You see, when we're, when we're in sin, we're dead. We're spiritually dead. We're, 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 we're spiritual corpses, if you would. We're walking around, yes, we're, we're breathing and we're, we're, we're walking around our, and doing our makeup, doing our hair, eating pinto beans and cornbread. We're doing all of the functions of life, zipping up and down the road in the cars and, and all of this stuff. But in essence, without Christ, we're spiritually dead. But Jesus came, he said, I come that you may have life and you may have life more abundantly. There's not a sinner that God does not love. He loves you. He loves me. He loved me before I came to him. He loves me even though I still sometimes I don't make the best decisions in the world. He still loves me. There is nothing that I can do to make God unlove me. He loves me that much. But yet. I must meet him on his terms and his conditions. And again, I'll get to that in just a moment. Because the third thing that God doesn't know. God doesn't know of another plan of salvation other than through Jesus Christ, his only son. I want to park here for just a minute. Acts chapter 11 and verse, Acts chapter 4 verses number 11 and 12. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Let me park here for a minute. We live in a we live in a time in the world where, um, you know, I, we spoke about this in life groups as well this morning. We t- t- spoke about uh, you know relativism. 
uh, you know, uh, seemingly taken over that, that mindset has taken over the world in particular, this nation we live in. And, and it's whatever's relative, you know, you know, if, if, if you think you're a cat, you're a cat, okay? You know, if you, if you, if you think that, if you think that those panels are blue, they're blue. You know, it's, it's relative. However you relate to something. We've lost sight, uh, we've lost sight, uh, of, of truth, if you would. And, and I, I read something just a few days ago about Christians in America and it just astonished me because it was a remarkable, more, way more than 50% of Christians in America believe there's other ways to heaven other than through Jesus Christ. Now that confuses me a little bit because why would you say Christian, Christ, Yun, if you don't believe that Christ is the only means to get to heaven. Then, then you know, why, why, why tag yourself with that name Christian? Call me old school. Call me fuddy dud. Call me, call me, uh, ir- irrelevant if you want to in this modern day time that we live in. But I still believe the word of God. I still believe what the scripture says that you behold in front of your eyes. There is only one way to heaven. It's not through, uh, we used to talk about Harry Krishna and San Juan Moon and, and Buddha. Or, or you could talk about Muhammad in this day and time. And there's some people says that the Muslim God and our God are the same God. You need to check yourself. Check your theology. Yes, there is only one God and that God is Jehovah God and His Son is named Jesus and He is called the Christ and He is the Anointed One. There is only one way to heaven and that one way to heaven only comes through Jesus Christ born of a virgin, laying in a manger, crucified on Calvary's cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and rose again in three days and then came and dwelt among men for a few more days and then they watched as he stood and he ascended back into the heavens and he said, where I'm going, you shall go also. There's only one way to get to heaven. It's salvation through the man, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth and the life and no other way can we go to the Father except by him. So there's not another way to heaven that, that God knows about other through His Son, Jesus. So get over your good works. Get over your doings. Get over all of your your good traits. You're sure you're a good man or sure you're a good woman. Sure you're a good person. But goodness, our goodness doesn't get us to heaven. Our goodness our goodness, in fact, if you would, to the contrary, our goodness will take us to hell. Because if we, if we, if we, if we're depending on our goodness and we forsake the goodness of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saying that our goodness is suffice. Our goodness will take us to hell because there is no other way to heaven but through and by Jesus Christ. Don't take my word for it. Take the word for it. Has the word is before you this morning. So there's not another plan of salvation. Don't ever be fooled. Don't ever be fooled. And that salvation is going to come through a faith relationship in Jesus Christ. 
You can be baptized to every tadpole, every minner, and even a few a rainbow trout know your name over in the river. You can, you can be baptized until we wire this thing out back here, this tub we got back here backstage. We can wire that thing out. And, but, but listen, it's not, it's not through dipping in water necessarily. It, it's not through any ritual. You can join a church. You can, there, listen, I know people that belong to five different churches. They own five different roles. They, listen, there's people on the role of this church that have been on the role of this church for, for years and years and years. Most, and a lot of them's dead. Some of them haven't darkened the doors in years and years and years. But understand with me today, those are not the things that save us. They have a part, they have a place in our salvation. But understand this, the only way that we are saved is through faith. Believing in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as the remission of our sins. Confessing before Him that we're lost and we're in need of a Savior. That is the way to God. So the third thing that God doesn't know is He doesn't know of another plan of salvation other than His Son. It's the perfect plan that He provided. It's the perfect plan that He gave. So, so let's, let's review here just a moment. He doesn't know a sin that He doesn't hate. He doesn't know a sinner that He doesn't love. He doesn't know another plan of salvation other than through His Son, Jesus Christ. Salvation by design from from Jehovah God, from Yahweh. He designed it. And then, fourthly, the fourth thing that God doesn't know is He doesn't know a better time to be saved than right now. He doesn't know a better time to be saved than right now. You see, when we read 2 Corinthians, what Paul wrote to that church at Corinth, and y'all probably can tell by my preaching that the first and second Corinthians are two of my favorite, uh, first and second Corinthians, the book of Romans and the book of James are some of my favorite New Testament studies. But when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I relate to the Corinthian church because the Corinthian church was a messed up church. Most churches today are messed up. If you don't believe it, Started attending there, start attending there, and then it's going to be messed up. Okay? Yeah? Most churches are messed up somewhere along the way. Second Corinthians chapter 6, it was a messed up church. They were messed up in their theology. They were messed up in their thinking. They were messed up in their preaching. They were messed up in their worship. They were messed up in the, the, the ministration of the giftings of the Spirit. But, but in Second Corinthians chapter 6, but they, let me, let me add this, they never ceased to be a church. God loved them and God embraced them and they were a church. And God sends Paul. He sends Paul to them and Paul goes to them in writings. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse number 2, Paul says, for he says, in the, in the time of my favor I heard you and in the day of salvation I help you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you're reading the King James wording, it says something like, today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. You know, see, see, God doesn't know any better time than right now for somebody to be saved. I, I think I've told this story before, but it's been some time I think about this story this time of year because it occurred on December 23rd, the eve of Christmas Eve. The eve of Christmas Eve in 1983, I, I, uh, my late wife and I were staying with her parents because our home was being built. 
And I remember the phone ringing and uh, the phone was at our bedside and I remember it so well. It was a blue phone with a cord on it. Some of y'all remember those kind of phones? It was a blue phone with a cord on it. It was about 15 foot long. And I answered that phone and it was my aunt and my nickname in my family was Bud. That's just my by name. And it was my aunt and she said, Bud, your pa is gone. I said, do what? She said, Pa, your Pa Thompson is gone. Did Wednesday night, or excuse me, it was a Friday night, I believe. On uh, December 23rd, my granddad had got up during the night and to go, they believe possibly to go either to the restroom or to go probably to the refrigerator. And, and, and as he got up during the night and as he walked the way their house was, he had to walk out of the the bedroom, circle through the living room, and then go back through the kitchen. Sometime during the middle of the night, we don't know, his body was already cold when my grandmother found him. He had got up during the nighttime, and he had fallen, and he was laying right in the middle of the kitchen floor. And his his body was there, but his spirit was gone. He had died. It was a sad Christmas that year. It was a sad Christmas that year. Let me tell you something about my grandpa. And I'm sharing a story with you now. I don't, I, I don't typically share a lot of stories at length anyway. And, but my grandpa, my grandpa was a troubled man in many ways. He was a very talented man. He was probably one of the smartest men in intelligence wise. He was probably one of the smartest men that I still in my life I've ever known. He, he had not, he didn't have a lot of education, but mechanically he was a near genius. He could build anything. He could make anything. He could fix anything. He could take, he could take parts and, I mean, he, he, he was better than the A-Team. If you ever watched that show on TV, he was better than they ever dreamed to be about building stuff. He could take a bunch of junk and put something together that was very useful. He was a smart man. But, but my, 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 my granddad had some issues. He had some issues in life. And I can remember he wouldn't go to church. Never, never known him ever to go to a church. And, 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 but I can remember him when he, he sometimes be in his, his drunken state and he would go and sit on the front porch of the house and in a straight back chair and he, he would put on, he would put the, I know the neighbors just loved it, he would put the stereo speakers up in the living room window and he would put LP vinyl recordings of the Blackwood Brothers on his stereo and he would play the Blackwood Brothers as loud as he could while he sat on the front porch and consumed his beverage. My granddad, as I said, he wouldn't ever go to church. He 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 wouldn't hear to it. He wasn't interested in it all. And and so as a teenage boy, the church that I went to, the church that I was part of a youth group of, and uh they became acquainted with all of my family and and they and the pastor said, Can we go to your grandparents' church and hold Cottage prayer meetings. I said, well, I asked. I said, I'm sure my grandmother would love it. She went to church when she could. She never drove. And when she could get away, she would go and she would worship. And she loved, she was a worshiper. She loved worshiping God. I said, I'll see. So granny, she says, yeah, y'all come on anytime y'all want to. Y'all come every week if you want to. And we started going to my grandparents' house. The old house is nearly fell in now. But I remember it so vividly. 
We would go in the living room and we'd have a couple guitars and, and we would go in there and we would sing some songs and, and, uh, and, and then the pastor would, would open the Bible and he would share a message. And my grandpa always sat there in the living room. You see, sometimes the church has lost the, the art of evangelism. Evangelism is not a preacher coming by and holding a revival. Evangelism's taking the word out. That's a different message though. But my granddad had a green swivel rocker. That was the chair that he watched wrestling from. He, he watched, he watched, used to watch WVVA, watch wrestling from Bluefield, man. He used to watch Viola Clark on Channel 6 on Sunday morning. Anybody remember Sister Viola? Yeah, a few of y'all do. And in his green chair, he had his Bearcat scanner over there where he could listen to what all the cops were doing, you know. He had, he had his, that was his spot. It was sort of like an Archie Bunker, those of you who are the older. It, when you walked in, if you were sitting in the green chair and Paul, Paul walked in the room, you knew to get up out of the green chair because that was his. We sat there, we had prayer meeting after prayer meeting. And I sat, and I watched my, my granddaddy sit there in that chair, a man that had issues in life, he had problems in life. And he was sat there in tears flowing down his cheek. And I remember the pastor walking over on that night that the tears were flowing down. He was, I mean, he was just, it wasn't just a tear. His face, even, even on his shirt was splattered with drops of tears. And that pastor walked out and he knelt, knelt right in front of my granddad and he said, Mr. Thompson, won't you give your heart to Jesus tonight? My granddad looked at that pastor and he said, I can't. I can't. He said, not now. I'm not ready yet. I will when I get ready. And he did, he wasn't rude, but he did get up and walk out of the room. You know what? We went back and held different cottage prayer meetings after that. My granddad would always sit in the kitchen. I never saw, I never saw my granddaddy broken in spirit again. That doesn't mean everything, okay? But I never saw my granddad broken in spirit again. I never heard my grandpa acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior ever in his life. He loved to listen to the Blackwood brothers and, and sing their gospel songs. He liked that, he liked that old song, uh, this old house. This old house is filled with you know, laughter, so, you know, all the windows are broken out, all that old song. He loved those songs like that. But I never saw my grandpa broken in spirit. I never saw him, and I never heard him acknowledge that he loved the Lord Jesus Christ and he'd accepted him as a Savior. But then on December 23rd of 1983, when he gets up out of bed in the middle of the night and he walks through the living room and he gets into the kitchen, whether he had been there and was coming back or going to, we don't know. But somewhere along that journey, just a few steps really, because it's a very small house, he fell and the doctor said he was probably dead when he hit the floor. Now, I know God is a God of grace and God is a God of love and He's God of mercy. And I hope that somehow in, in that moment, I hope my granddaddy had a time to cry out. And I believe if he did, God is faithful and just to forgive him. But if he didn't, if he didn't, if he didn't, 
And I really, quite frankly, don't have a clue. I don't have an idea whether he did or didn't. But if he didn't, I can tell you this. My granddad, on that cottage prayer meeting night, was he heard the Word of God, and he was dealt with by the Holy Spirit. And his spirit was broken. But yet he refused to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. You see, he had an opportunity. He had a time. He had a day. And he failed to use that day. I hope he had one last uh, opportunity. I hope he took advantage of one last opportunity. But I really don't know. And I don't guess I'll know till eternity if I even know then. But I want you to know this. That God dealt with his heart. And the day of salvation was before him. It was a decision that he had to make. And every single one of us has to make that same decision. Because you see there, God doesn't know a sin that He doesn't hate. But He doesn't know a sinner that He doesn't love. He doesn't know of another plan of salvation other than through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why He doesn't know a better time to be saved than now. I love one of my, I've got a bunch of favorite preachers. One of my favorite preachers is, is, is passed away a number of years ago, but I still, every, sometime during the week, every week, I listen to at least one of his messages. And it's a fellow that's, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. He, not as well known as Billy Graham, but it was a fellow that was named Dr. Adrian Rogers. Dr. Adrian Rogers has some, he has some little sayings that, that, uh, have become real popular in the church world at least. Dr. Ro- one of Dr. Rogers' little sayings is this. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing really occurs to God? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing really ever occurs to God? Nothing takes him by surprise. You see, because God, going back to that first word, omniscient, there's nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing that God doesn't see. There's nothing that He doesn't understand. There, you know, I, I, I took a play on that to grab your attention for the title of this message. There really isn't anything that God doesn't know in the sense of His awareness. And in that same sense, God knows where you're at right now. He knows where your heart's at with Him. He knows where your life is at right now. He knows, knows the status of your life. You could be hurting. You could be, you could be overwhelmed, uh, with, with, with sin. We all battle that. You could, you could be, uh, you could be over, overwhelmed with, with, uh, the, the hurt that, that not only a physical hurt, but a hurt that comes emotionally. Somebody, you could have been, you know, you could have been molested. You could have been harassed. I talked to somebody uh, this past week that said that they grew up in a what was supposed to be a Christian environment. And in that Christian environment, one child after another was sexually molested. And they said, I, I really I, I really just have a problem with Christians because I, what I, when I think about a Christian, I, I saw people that, that molested their kids. Let me tell you something. Don't judge God by what you see people doing. Don't, don't, don't equivocate God with what you're seeing other people do. Everybody, everybody that claims to be a Christian is, is not necessarily where they need to be with God. 
Everybody that says they're a Christian doesn't necessarily portray who and what God is. But understand with me that God doesn't know a sin that He doesn't hate. He doesn't know a sinner that He doesn't love. And He doesn't know of another plan of salvation other than the one He's provided through Jesus Christ. And He doesn't know a better time for you to be saved than today. And has Adrian Rogers, has it ever occurred to you that nothing really occurs to God? Has it, did it ever occur to you that you're here for a purpose and a reason today? Did it, does it occur to you that are watching live? Does it occur to you that you're watching this for a reason? Maybe you're watching it later in the week. Maybe it's Friday. Maybe it's Thursday. Did it ever occur to you you're watching this for a reason? You see, because it's the will and the pleasure of God. Somebody said, somebody told me this a few weeks ago. I was, I was talking to them, witnessing to them, and they said, well, you know, I just have a problem to believe that a loving God would send anybody to hell. I don't believe God sends anybody to hell. He doesn't. He doesn't send anybody to hell. Hell, hell is, hell, hell is, hell is by a choice. Hell is, hell is a choice in life. Uh, heaven is really not the choice. It's not a choice of heaven or hell. It's a choice of Jesus and hell. You see, if we choose Jesus, we don't have to worry about hell. But if we fail to choose Jesus, we in essence are making that choice of hell. You say, well, no, 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 I'm not choosing hell. No, why would anybody choose hell? doesn't make sense. Failure to, failure to choose Jesus is a choice for hell. So God doesn't know a sin that he doesn't hate. He doesn't know a sinner that he doesn't love. And he doesn't know of another plan of salvation other through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't know a better time to be saved than right now. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, as we come to you today, I brought forth a word. A word that we feel is pleasing to you. God, and I ask you to take the words that have been spoken and I ask you to massage it into every every heart. Deep into the crevices of the mind. Lord, let people not only be hearers of your word this morning but let them be doers of your word today Lord we've as I have endeavored to bring my call to fruition to bring this word to this people both virtually and in this room God I'm just believing from the very beginning that your Holy Spirit has been at work And I believe He is still continuing to work. Lord, let blinded eyes be opened. Let spiritually deaf ears be unstopped. Lord, may any that have been given over to deception, may their awareness of truth become keen in this room. And in this broadcast today. Lord Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Because Lord, we know you're the only, you're the only one that can draw a person to salvation through and by the working of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. With your heads continued bowed, your eyes closed, please, just for a minute. I want to ask you a question. Is there one person in this room? Is there one person? Maybe there's two people. Maybe there's three. 
Maybe there's four. Is there one person in this room that says, Pastor, I need to be saved? Or maybe you say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life without embarrassing you at all. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to call you by name. Nor am I going to come and get you. But is there one person in this room that will say, Pastor, pray for me today. Is there anybody at all? I need to be saved. I need to give my heart to Jesus. You see, he doesn't know a better time than right now. And quite frankly, you may not realize it, but you don't either. Today is a special day for you. Is there one in this?